Now for the words. Let's see if you can identify this famous bit of dialogue. I'm going to be both parts. Hello. Who are you? Well, actually, I'm a dentist. A dentist? Well, I want to be a dentist. Right now, I'm just an elf. But I don't need anybody. I'm independent. Yeah? Well, me too. I'm whatever you said. I'm independent. Hey, what do you say? Why don't we both be independent together? You wouldn't mind my red nose? Not if you don't mind me being a dentist. It's a deal. So what do you think? If you guessed this conversation is between a couple of pilgrims during one of the house meetings as they were working out the Cambridge platform of 1648, you'd be incorrect. If you think this was a conversation between Thomas Jefferson and Roger Sherman well before their political careers and the drafting of the Declaration of Independence, well, I suppose it could have happened, but not as far as we can ascertain. No, actually, this insightful Declaration of Independence occurred in 1964, spoken by two characters known as Hermie and Rudolph. Yes, that Rudolph. And as we celebrate the tremendous political, economic, social, and theological demands for freedom that resulted in these United States of America, I'm thinking about all of the conversations that led to the Declaration's delivery to King George III of Great Britain. I'm thinking of the righteousness with which we, the people of this country, claim our independence. There's a lot to ponder, a lot to celebrate, a lot to be grateful for. With this in mind, let us consider what independence means to us. First, let's revisit the definition of the word independence. According to Merriam-Webster, independence is freedom from outside control or support. Independence is also the time when a country or region gains political freedom from outside control. The online dictionary puts it this way, freedom from the control, influence, support, aid, and the like of others. Sometimes I think that we believe that being independent means being totally self-sufficient. For instance, the fierce insistence of a two-year-old child who pushes away adult assistance and says, me do it. And the child does it. In her own way, she does it. However, she does not do it in a vacuum. 
As the adults who lovingly watch over this growing little person, we are the invisible ones, the ones who provide the supporting actions and atmosphere that contribute to the child's development, discoveries, and actions. The child lives and moves and has her being in relationship with all of the people, creatures, places, and things in her world. She may accomplish actions of her own volition, but does she ever do one thing without some sort of influence, support, aid, and therefore control of others? For this two-year-old, we would say, no, of course not. How about adults? Would you say that you are or ever have been completely and totally in every way independent? Ever? During my formative years those which are known as childhood for most, but of course I was fully mature at the age of five, so I say formative. During those years, I often heard the descriptive phrase used, he is a self-made man. Of course, only having the experience of living with my family and attending school and church, I accepted the statement as being factual. Then, years later, I graduated high school right here in Tulsa and went to work in a hospital as a radiology clerk. There, it became very clear to me that the men who were doctors, and they were all men except for one, the ones who acted as if they were and sometimes claimed to be self-made men, were only able to do so with an incredibly large team of professionals, technicians, and staff. We, the team, were the invisible ones, the ones who provided the supporting actions and atmosphere that contributed to the doctor's development, discoveries, and actions. Yes, these self-made men lived and moved and had their being in relationship with all of the people, creatures, places, and things in their world. They may accomplish actions of their own volition, but do they ever do any one thing without some sort of support, influence, aid, and therefore control of others? No, of course not. There's a lot to ponder, a lot to celebrate, a lot to be grateful for. Returning our thoughts to 1964, a part of those madman years, we recall the children's Christmas musical animated film that beautifully and a bit subversively told a story of interdependence. After bravely announcing that he doesn't need anybody and that he is independent, Hermie invites Rudolph to join him in a state of independence. Hey, what do you say? Why don't we both be independent together, huh? Which, in effect, is exactly what led to the approval of the Declaration of Independence by the Second Continental Congress in 1776. 
The 13 British colonies became individual states that agreed to be independent together. Hence, the United States. It took a bloody revolution, supported and aided by influential friends such as France, to obtain our independence from the rule of Great Britain. For many men, this truly was independence. They could make their own laws, run their own government, worship as they pleased, provide for their own food and clothing, and pursue their own efforts in the realms of education, science, and the arts. They did it all on their own. Or did they? Well, of course not. There's a lot to ponder, a lot to be grateful for, a lot to celebrate, a lot to ponder. We supported and grew these United States by engaging in trade agreements on the continent and overseas. We continued to import slaves to support and aid our efforts. We continued to move further west and south in order to claim land and resources as was our manifest destiny. We violently achieved our independence in order to create our own civilized nation. The document approved on July 4, 1776 set out point by point all of the many reasons for dissolving the political bands which connected the 13 United States of America with Great Britain. Our much-celebrated and revered Declaration of Independence articulates the facts that made the dissolution necessary. Among them are these, as addressed to King George III. He has refused to pass the law to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. These are a few of the grievances, the intolerable conditions, which led to the extraordinary step of extracting the 13 colonies from the governance and control of a mighty world power. Now that we are in power, how do these grievances sound to our 21st century hearts, minds, and spirits? 
There's a lot to ponder, a lot to celebrate, a lot to be grateful for, a lot to ponder. In the Declaration's concluding paragraph, after asserting the right to be free and independent states and absolving these states from all allegiance to the British crown, our ancestors on our behalf named and claimed all of the actions and things that independent states have the right to do. With that, they stated on our behalf. And for the, the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. That was more than 200 years ago. That was a time of earthly conquest, of the struggles for world dominance, of old stories writ large. The stories that claim the clear evidence that surely providence is on our side and we are a blessed nation because we have the best system of government, the wisest rulers, the most intelligent and talented people because we win. We are victorious. <coughs> and when we are in control of the whole world, the world will be as God means it to be. Those old stories. The stories of the winners being the righteous have probably been told since the earliest days of human storytelling. We creatures need to make sense of things, create some sort of order, and explain why there is suffering and pain and death. From the beginning times, it was clear to humans that the world we inhabit is so vast as to be beyond our ability to comprehend. How did such as this come into being? So all over the planet, thoughtful people constructed philosophies and sacred stories <coughs> of all powerful beings that created everything. Our own religious tradition of Unitarian Universalism derives from the ancient Near Eastern culture and sacred story of what became one almighty God. This God developed into a God of war who could be called upon to lead the righteous and make them victorious. Then, having obeyed the sacred laws, the righteous people could enjoy the rewards of a peaceful, abundant life. However, with power comes the great temptation for more and more and more for the already powerful. This is what happened back in the day of the prophet Amos. Recall our reading in which Amos speaks on behalf of compassion, of justice, of fairness for all, to people who treat other human beings as things, ways of making money. 
Amos declares in the voice of the loving, caring God, and you told the young prophets, don't prophesy. You're too much for me. I'm hard-pressed to the breaking point. I'm like a wagon piled high and overloaded, creaking and groaning. When I go into action, what will you do? There's no place to run, no matter how fast you run. The strength of the strong won't count. Even the bravest of all your warriors won't make it. In 1776, our ancestors were grounded in the biblical texts and doubtless were knowledgeable of, if not altogether inspired by, the prophetic tradition of the oppressed speaking truth to power. Living within the context of those 18th century times, those social constructs, those theological and scientific understandings, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Roger Sherman, and Robert Livingston together carefully and thoughtfully crafted the Declaration of Independence. The 1776 version of that ancient prophetic tradition is, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Beloveds, today we celebrate the interdependent nature of independence. We celebrate the mysterious and wondrous ways that human beings continue to choose to be on the side of life and love. We celebrate our ability to refuse to be overwhelmed by life's complexities, filled with many universes, dimensions, and paradigms by working together. We celebrate our painful and imperfect manner of willingly confronting our own sacred stories in order to listen to the real, painful, and equally sacred stories of the invisibles, our fellow human beings, creatures, places, and things who provide the supporting actions and atmosphere that contribute to all of our development, discoveries, and actions. There's a lot to celebrate, a lot to be grateful for, a lot to ponder, a lot to remember. We Unitarian Universalists are really excellent at self-examination, at taking personal responsibility for our actions, at considering the many sides of situations. We are usually ready to listen to the stories of others and to determine how best to act in the support of the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, and the disenfranchised. 
Where we get stuck is how to sit with our own discomfort, our feelings of guilt, and our shame. We sometimes focus our frustration and anxiety upon authority figures and institutions, including our churches and congregations, rather than finding a way to treat ourselves and each other with loving kindness and compassion. Beloveds, it's time to declare our independence from useless and time-wasting hand-wringing and gnashing of teeth. It's time to forgive ourselves and each other. It's time to move out of our comfort zones. It's time to study issues with new and different people. It's time to step out into the wide, wonderful, amazing world of infinite variety and possibilities. We know how to do this. We've been at the labor of creating oceans of justice and rivers of fairness for a long time. We are the heirs of a very long tradition of reasoned study and cooperative effort. In addition to the use of our intellect, Unitarian Universalism in these United States is founded upon the democratic principle, religious freedom, and covenantal relationship. And we also claim that we are the inheritors of all that our ancestors chose to do and be. So, in honor of our ancestors, let's keep challenging ourselves. There's a lot to celebrate, a lot to be grateful for, a lot to ponder, a lot to remember. So today, we remember. We remember all of our human family, people to whom we are related as surely as we all come from the stardust. I especially invite you to remember our African-American family members and honor their incredible strength, their courage, and their continuing contributions to the health, might, honor, and achievements of these United States. Remember them in their sacrifices. Grieve with them for all of the unnecessary and tragic loss of life. Remember, I invite you to pledge to join them under their leadership, to act together in order to live into our shared dream of freedom and justice for all. I invite you to take responsibility for our actions and for our inactions that contribute to the economic and social systems that perpetuate the control and influence that feed injustice and continue to terrorize African-American communities and their houses of worship. I invite you to celebrate all of the ways that we are waking up and joining together, all of us, to move from study to action. Celebrate and proclaim that black lives matter. There's a lot to celebrate, a lot to be grateful for, a lot to ponder, a lot to remember. I especially invite you to remember our LGBTQ family members and honor their incredible strength, their courage, and their continuing contributions to the health, might, honor, and achievements of these United States. I invite you to remember them in their sacrifices, 
Grieve with them for all of the unnecessary and tragic loss of life. I invite you to pledge to join them under their leadership to act together in order to live into our shared dream of freedom and justice for all. Take responsibility for our actions and for our inactions that contribute to the economic and social systems that perpetuate the control and influence that feed injustice and continue to terrorize LGBTQ communities and their gathering places. I invite you to celebrate all the ways that we are waking up and joining together, all of us, to move from study to action. Celebrate their right to be married in all 50 of these United States. There's a lot to celebrate, a lot to be grateful for, a lot to ponder, a lot to remember. I especially invite you to remember our Latino family members and honor their incredible strength, their courage, and their continuing contributions to the health, might, honor, and achievements of these United States. I invite you to remember them in their sacrifices, to grieve with them for all of the unnecessary and tragic loss of life. I invite you to pledge to join them under their leadership to act together in order to live into our shared dream of freedom and justice for all. I invite you to take responsibility for our actions and for our inactions that contribute to the economic and social systems that perpetuate the control and influence that feed injustice and continue to terrorize Hispanic communities at the border and beyond. Celebrate all the ways that we are waking up and joining together, all of us to move from study to action. I invite you to celebrate the dreamers, the doers, and the immigration reforms that are in process. There's a lot to celebrate, a lot to ponder, a lot to remember, a lot to be grateful for. Beloveds from the Cambridge platform of 1648 that established a covenantal way to live together to our 1776 Declaration of Independence, all the way to our 1961 merger of Unitarianism and Universalism, and up until this day, we have walked our path toward actual mental, spiritual, and physical freedom for all. We walk it as best we are able, in the spirit of humility, and in the hope of forgiveness and grace. This is what all of our ancestors longed for. This is our inheritance, our hope, and our mission. Life, you can't do this alone. I am here because we are. Let's say that together. I am here because we are. We are deeply and inextricably interdependent. That's a lot to celebrate. That's a lot to ponder, a lot to remember, and a lot to be grateful for. 
So hey, what do you say? Why don't we all be independent together? May it be so.